you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. That's not what's supposed to be. Hebrews 12. Brandon, you going to be able to get there? Are you going to be able to have, get it? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Father, I thank you for the evening. We do pray for Rodney and Miss Sheila and Miss Virginia, Lord. I just pray that you would be with her, this disruption in her life. I pray that you would just comfort them. We do pray um, for uh, Mary Cook and her uh, hands to be healed. Uh, we pray for Melissa Rhodes as she faces surgery this week. And we pray for our, all of our people, Lord, that have needs this week. I pray that you'd be there in a mighty way for them. Lord, just speak to us through your holy word now. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I forget the name of the song, uh, Mark. What is it? Find Us Faithful? Is that the name of the song? Hello? I'm looking. That's at, yeah. That's right. Okay. Thank you very much. Finding us faithful. Who's going to find us faithful, you reckon? Will our children find us faithful? Will our grandchildren find us faithful? You know, to me, our children have a tendency to follow us. And our grandkids also. Uh, you know, I think about the only grandparent I had was my grandmother. And she was faithful. Um, she was 92 when she passed away, she had was keeping house, did her own cooking, her own yard work, and uh, fell and broke her hip, and never got over that. She left here at 92, and uh, she was my influence. She was the one that carried her Bible to church, and she was the one that went regardless of what the situation was, um, but I found her to be faithful. And, uh, you know, I think many times our children, grandchildren may follow us. Are we setting the right example? And when we look at this scripture here, um, you know, chapter 11 of Hebrews talks about the heroes of faith. And you'll find them all listed there and the things that they went through and how they remain faithful. And to me, it is important, y'all, that we remain faithful, that, that we remain committed to the call that's been extended to us. Not necessarily preaching, leading the music, teaching a Sunday school class, serving on a committee, work, serving as a deacon, but it's all of us uh, working together for the kingdom of God and to see our church continue to grow and to give and to love and invite others in. But uh, chapter 11 as uh, heroes of faith, if you take time sometime to read all of those, of course, many of you probably already know them by heart. Um, 
but they are bearing a witness. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. I don't know that that's them, but, you know, they, they started the work, okay? They started the work. And as they think about us who are left here, may they find us being faithful to what many of them literally died because of what they believed in, because of their commitment, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Lord. Um, we need to read about them, read about their lives, read about their story, read about how they died. Um, if you think your job is too big, what we need to do is study the life of Moses. Can you imagine that thousands of people that he tried to lead toward the promised land and all the bickering and the griping and the whining and the groaning and the moaning and the, uh, is this what we got to tolerate? And really, you know, God was, hey, he was taking care of them because he had a plan. God has a plan today and he's taking care of his children. The Bible says that his seed, those that are saved, will never ever be found begging for bread. We will be taken care of. And you know, so many people come through our campus uh, needing food, needing a power bill paid, needing this, needing that. And I'm thinking, well, where are you in church? Because as far as I'm concerned, you know, we're going to, we're going to for sure take care of our own, our own faithful people. We are, it is necessary we take care of them. So always question these people. Where, where are you going to church? Well, we just moved here. Well, how long ago? Well, we've been here about a year. Well, it tells me right quick, they're not in a church. They're not interested in a church. They just want what they can get out of a church. You know, I think, what's the difference in going to the church and going to the bank? The bank requires this and that and the other. And you know, hey, we don't require a whole lot. We just do it. We just give because we love people. We want people taken care of. But on the other hand, <clears throat> when we think about them, we got to be cautious. We got to be careful. We got to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. Okay? Uh, if, you, if you're having problems with your family, read about Joseph. My goodness alive, all those brothers got together and sold the old boy. Just sold him into slavery. Not that he retaliated in any way, but he took care of them in the end. He took care of them in the end. You know, I think about his story uh, where it says that he turned away from his brothers to keep them from seeing the tears in his eyes. I can't imagine what Joseph went through. And if you, you know, I think if you, um, if you want to be tempted to retaliate, think about um, the, the David and his life. You know, we have a tendency, well, I'm going to get even. I'm just not going to be treated this way. I'm going to do something about it. Well, God said that he will take care of that. He will do the repaying uh, because if I repay, I'm going to do it my way. And most likely it's not going to be the right way. And uh, God said he would take care of it. So we need to consider the winners there in chapter 11. Secondly, we need to consider ourselves. When we look at that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the second part of that verse, not only are we compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, but it says, let us lay aside every weight, every weight. Now, 
I think about athletes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think about the weights that they carry. I think about um, basketball players wearing ankle weights. You know, where they jump with the ankle weights on, so when they take them off, it, it appears, and it does. It'll help them to jump higher. I think of baseball players where they put that weight on the end of that bat and they swing it and they swing it and they swing it and take it off and hey <coughs> excuse me the, the 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 swinging of the bat is a whole lot easier um i think about those who lift weights uh i've said i've thought about this many times well if i can lift a pound surely i can lift two pounds if i can lift two i can lift four and so on and, and but to, we all will reach our limit sooner or later and when we reach our limit, we know what our limits are. And uh, you know somebody else that knows our limits, and that's God. He said, I'll not, I'll not put more on you than what you're able <clears throat> to bear with my help. And God will give us help. Um, everything uh, that hinders us, the problems that we might have, when we look, let us lay aside every weight, anything that would hinder us from doing the will of God. Now, you know, a public job, hey, we've got to do that public job. I mean, if we're gonna, if we're gonna make our earn a living, we, we are gonna do that public job. That's, we're obligated. The Bible says if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. And if he doesn't work and he doesn't eat, then his family don't eat. And so it's important, it's necessary that we as a, a household leader provide for our family. And, and I think too, you know, sometimes our family don't regard how hard maybe the breadwinner works that they don't take care of what the breadwinner brings in. I think so many times, sometimes, you know, we, we've got a wonderful bunch of people who tithe and give of their income. I don't have to tell you that, uh, you know, I was just, uh, Happy today when I, I looked in the bulletin this morning and saw our debt down to $244,854 and some change. Hey, you know, we're coming up fast. God is blessing. And I'm thinking, you know, well, where do we go after we get this? You just hang on. There'll be something. Because, you know, God continues to give. And just because if and Lord wills when we get out of debt, it don't mean that we slack off on our giving. We need to continue to do it because to me, that's where God blesses us as individual Christians. He will also bless the church. Hello? Missions? Hey, that's a part of it. You let missions die in the church and the church eventually, God will see to it that it it will just die out. So it's important. Um, I think about... Um, the things that this verse has to say. Uh, next, it, it says, not only let us lay aside, and he adds, the sin which does so easily beset us. You know, it, it's like a rock, a, a pebble, a stone, or a briar that would get into our shoe. You're not going to walk like you normally walk. You're going to be a limping until you can get somewhere to sit down and get the shoe off and hopefully if, if something dumps out then you got it. If it don't then you go to searching that sock or something has gotten in there and it's the little bitty things you see that, that cause us uh, to sin. It causes us to go astray. 
the writer does not name any sin, particular sin here, but it is probably the sin of unbelief that he was talking here. Let us lay aside um, the sin that doth, notice what he says, so easily besets us. The encumbrances that come our way, the hindrances that come our way. Also, um, you know, the Bible says sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Now, you look at the news tonight, or you read the paper today, or this evening, and people who uh, are killed, or whatever, uh, if you could trace back their life, some of that was brought on by sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. There's a third thing. Uh, When we look at that that verse 1, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Um, I can't run your race. You can't run mine. But we all need to, here's, here's to, to me the thing. All of us need to stay in our lane, okay? Uh, runners, track runners, hey, they've got those lanes. And they're supposed to stay in those lanes. First time I saw that, Staggering out, I think, God, this guy here, he's way out front of them others. But they've got it fixed to where everybody's running the same, okay? Everybody's running the same. We're all running the same race. The race to tell people about Jesus, the race to live a good life, and the race to end up across the finish line in heaven. But we must, each one of us, remain in our lane. Because if you try to run somebody else's race, hey, you're going to get confused. So it's important. What he says there, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's an individual thing that we are doing. You see, when God, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he died one time. He died for everybody. And it's an individual thing that we accept Christ as our personal Savior. So we not only need to consider the winners there in chapter 11 and consider our own self and, and consider uh, the race, but a fourth thing is we need to consider the Lord Jesus. In verse 2, the first part of verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. He knows where I began. He knows where I'll end. I know where I had my beginning, okay? I can take you to the spot where I had my beginning. I can take you to the spot where he extended me the call to preach. I can take you to the spot where I was ordained. I can take you to the spot where I first preached. I can take you to those spots, but I can't take you or tell you where this race is going to be over because the author of my life is also the finisher. I remember one of our sons, he run, he run track, and the coach made this comment. He said, let me tell you what I like about your boy. He said, when the, he's down and he's always ready. When the gun fires, said he's off as hard as he can go. He never looks to the right. He never looks to the left. He never looks back. He's got his eye on the finish line. You see, he, Jesus is the author, okay? And he is the finisher. That's where our eyes need to be is on Jesus because he's the one that's going to say you're safe or either you're out. 
Though God the Father says, you know, if you try to enter heaven any other way than Jesus, you're going to hear him say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. You weren't a part of the team. I'm sorry. That's going to be a horrible thing when we hear God say to, to people who've never accepted Christ to simply say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Consider the Lord Jesus. He's the author. He's He's the finisher. The last thing we need to consider is his suffering. Now look look at there at verse 2 again. Not only is he the author and finisher of our faith, but it says, who for the joy. Can you get any joy out of his death on the cross other than it was for my salvation and yours? A horrible death. But it says, for the joy that was set before him, he tolerated, he went through, he endured the cross despising the shame as they made fun of him, as they said, if you're who you say you are, hey, take yourself down from the cross. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, you're not who you say you are, you would. And that thief had no clue what he was saying or how he was saying it and to who he was saying it with. And despising the shame, listen to this, what he said, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what the Bible says. He is on the seated now on the right hand of his father. I can't imagine that scene in heaven. Maybe he, he looks at his father every once in a while and says, hey, is it close? You know, on the sideline when a coach says, son, get ready, I'm going to put you in here in a minute. Well, he gets his helmet on, if he's football, he gets his bat, his baseball, he gets everything ready, and he keeps looking at the coach, but he's just waiting on him to say, go. You know, and you'll see them when they change on a football. One go comes out and one flies in. Uh, you know, get yourself ready. Well, Jesus, as far as I'm concerned, he's ready, okay? He's already finished. In fact, on the cross, he said, it is finished. So I'm not going to do it again, okay? It's finished, and I'm waiting for my father to say, Go get your bride. We need to consider his suffering. Uh, the Bible says it was a joy for him. He endured the cross, accepted the shame that they threw at him. And then he took his seat, he took his seat uh, beside his father. Um, and verse 3 says, For consider him that endued such contradiction of sinners against himself. Don't you know it hurts the Lord in heaven tonight um, when people reject him? When backslidden Christians could care less about him anymore, I mean, that that would be as bad as a child saying, I don't want you as a daddy anymore. I don't want you as a mother anymore. I don't need you. I'm going out on my own. I don't want to ever hear from you. You know, that would be horrible. That would be horrible. But that scripture verse says, Sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In other words, you just slowly, you don't think about it anymore. The devil sees to that. You know, for a person to say, I'm saved and not in church, that's possibly what's going on. They have fainted in their mind. In their mind, oh yeah, I'm saved. But in their mind, hey, Going to church, you don't have to do that. That's not part of the thing that you do. You just do what you want to. The bottom line is you've been paid for. 
Well, I don't know how God's going to handle that in this life. I don't know how he's going to handle it in the next life because I believe if you're saved one time that you're saved forever if you were saved. And some people, I'm afraid, have been slipped a counterfeit have been slipped a counterfeit. As I've said, people come to this altar, I ask the question, have you been saved? Well, if they say yes, I'm not going to be one to argue with them. But I think about those faithful people who've gone before us, who make up that cloud of witnesses that are watching us and how we are living a Christian life. And perhaps even tonight, God has spoken to you in a special way. Someone you need to go to as a witness and to share Christ with them. Somebody who's maybe not on track. Maybe they're, they're in a, a different race. They, they're not in the Christian race that needs to be spoken to. I have plenty of those little cards. If you want an extra one, they're on the table in the vestibule. Pick you up, whatever, and give them away to your friends. Just give them away. Give them away to waitresses. Give them, give them somebody filling gas up on the other side. Say, sir, I'd love to, or ma'am, I'd love to give you this card. A little witnessing too, okay? Father, thank you for the evening. Thank you for this time to be together with my church family. Lord, I thank you for those who are committed to come back on Sunday night. And Lord, I pray that you speak to their hearts. Now, if there's anyone needs to make a decision... God, I pray that your will be done in this. I thank you for the privilege to stand again tonight in this place to share your word. And God, we'll love you and thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother.